Welcome to Millennial Z. I'm Robin. And I'm Melody. And today we're talking about self-care. And this is obviously a buzzword. All of us have heard self-care. We see memes, we see Instagram posts, we hear about it on podcasts. And so we just wanted to dive into how that has evolved, how the word and the term and everything that kind of goes into self-care has evolved from when I was Melody's age to now. And the first thing we're going to talk about, we broke this up into a couple of different topics within self-care. So the first one we're going to talk about is skin care and specifically how the clean beauty movement has kind of changed what we look for in products so nowadays i feel like our generations are more into the detail of what's in their product and caring about little things so it isn't like toxic like i don't know products or waste in something and i feel like we even like have apps nowadays that you can check this and see like is it actually a clean product to use and that's actually what we're gonna specify today which is clean beauty do you want to say what it is robin so clean beauty is a term overall for non-toxic ingredients non-toxic products things that are healthy for your body but also healthy for the environment so usually clean beauty is also focused on sustainability as far as the packaging and recycled materials and not using a lot of plastic or excess paper in the packaging and things like that and there's been a huge shift in clean beauty in recent years and I think that has a lot to do with the shift in environmental awareness, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, environmental mm-hmm. focus. So there's a lot of focus on the environment and wanting to keep it clean and protect what we have. And obviously that has played a role in the products that we use and the products we look for. And I feel like, um, like we've said in past episodes, that millennials kind of started this like clean beauty or like you could say just like products in general that are sustainable for the environment and I feel like for my generation we kind of are like going off of what you did and obviously like we always say there's differences to the generations but I feel like since you guys started it we like caught on and think it's a great idea. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So about 10 years ago, when I was 18, and even younger, it's funny, because Melody and I were going through some of my old stuff recently, because it was in our parents closet. And I just wanted to kind of go through it and get rid of some stuff and then take the rest of it back to my apartment. And so I found this book that I had made of DIY um like facials and skincare and stuff like that from actually that was probably when I was like 13 14 like middle school and it's just so funny because I still do that now and obviously there was a focus on that or at least I had a focus of that (laughs) back then Um, but I think that it just has evolved so much as far as the access and it's it's just so so much more prevalent like Target has a whole 
side of an aisle that's dedicated to clean beauty. And I forget what they call it. It's not clean, but it's called something, another buzzword. But, you know, you just wouldn't see that when I was younger. So I would try to make my own stuff and do my own, you know, stuff, which is just kind of interesting how that has evolved. And now it's just so much more accessible. And I and think I, you guys have picked up on it and are still carrying on the trend. I think also, like, if you go on a website or something and maybe you're looking for skincare, like, specifically, and I feel like they also try and put that in there or maybe, like, subtly have something that, like, is more clean than maybe this product or, like, kind of comparing. Yeah, and the thing is you have to be careful because products and companies know that this is a buzzword, clean beauty, non-toxic, GMO free, no sulfates, like all of these these terms. They know that it's popular. So they will sometimes put clean on the packaging, but when you look at the ingredients, there are things that are not really as clean as they should be, which is why the Think Dirty app, the app that Melody was referencing earlier, I don't think you said that. Yeah, name, I didn't say that actually. It's really good because you can look up a product and it rates it on a scale of zero to 10 and it's um, zero is the best, like really super clean or cl- yeah, super clean. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But um, so you do have to be careful about that. So make sure to check the ingredients. But I think even that is becoming more of a mainstream thought process to look at the ingredients and check what you're really buying and not just assume. Yeah. And also on the think dirty app, you can honestly search anything. It's not just like, little products like here and there you can literally search any product that you have and it will go into detail and like also give the number like you said right yeah which is really helpful so yeah obviously the shift in environmental awareness has definitely changed how we look at beauty products and how we look at the things that we're putting not only into our body but also onto our body also with the internet being so popular and obviously everyone has access to internet now which was not the case when I was in middle school and elementary school and even sometimes high school but um now there are so so many products when before I would just go to Walmart and look at what they had in the aisle that was pretty much it (laughs) at Target too but you know now you can go online and search for anything you're looking for and there are going to be a hundred different types, a hundred little local brands and it's way easier I think for small mom and pop brands to market themselves than it would have been before the internet because then they would have to have maybe a brick and mortar shop and only local people would know about it and that kind of thing but now they can advertise on Instagram on Facebook they can sell on Amazon you know all these things to get their name out there so I think it's more common now to shop those little brands than it was when I was first getting into skincare yeah I'd say that local companies are definitely branching out now and people definitely go towards them more often because first of all They are more clean, like we keep using that word. And I feel like they almost are more specific with just ingredients in general because, like, local brands don't really go with the norm. They kind of do their own thing. And 
even though it's like a small place, I feel like people definitely like to support them more, especially now because, you know, the COVID and stuff. But um, I feel like for myself, I still go to the big brands, but honestly, the local brands are so much better with like just specifying things. Right. I definitely shop small brands more often. However, it's easier to shop the big brands because you can find them everywhere. You can find reviews. Sometimes with the little ones, you know, they might only have 15 reviews and you're not sure if this is legit or if they paid people to do these reviews, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I understand and I understand that brand loyalty is and will always be a thing. So the bigger brands that, you know, grandma has used, mom has used, whatever could, you know, stay within a family. Yeah. But and I feel like, we were... oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I just feel like since it's like popular for big brands, some people just drift towards them normally, but I feel like it's good that some people are trying to reach out to smaller companies and see what they have. Right. And just honestly look at other options and not only see, you know, the way that we used to do things as the only way to do things. Mm -hmm. It's always good to evolve. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we were curious to talk or curious to look into is why skincare has become such a huge thing. I would say, would you say in the past, like, five years maybe skincare just has been blowing up yeah probably yeah yeah, five years just so you see it everywhere you see all kinds of oh try this try this or oh this resume or oh whatever and like estheticians I feel like we hear more about them and from them online now but anyway so we looked into it we found an article from the cut and I'm gonna quote them A cleanser is a cleanser no matter your skin color, weight, or gender identity, and therefore, skincare isn't inherently political or exclusionary. True, the cost can be prohibitive, but some of the trendiest brands like The Ordinary and Glossier are no more expensive than drugstore products. Anyone can participate, including celebrities trying to seem relatable. So I thought that was interesting to think about why skincare is so popular right now, and I think it's because younger people have a more progressive mindset, a more inclusionary mindset, and um, we welcome diversity and differences and quirks and things like that. But anyway, so skincare is not specific to anyone. Everyone uses skincare to some extent. So I mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting reason for why it has become so popular. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even, like, all genders can also use it, too. Like, it's not even just all women using it. Um, And I also feel like it's really good that nowadays we're going into the more diverse cultures or, like, mindset because it's true. Like, skincare specifically can be for anyone. It's not going to be, like, you have to be this skin tone or you have to look this way to use it. It's just a product for everyone. And it's a way for us to relate with one another versus distance ourselves from other another one another, which is what a lot of things inherently kind of do. So Yeah, I and that's that, really cool. It's a cool reason that skincare is popular. 
I was going to say that goes into um, also what we were going to talk about, which was makeup products, because this also goes into if you're different skin tones, how they are starting to try and come out with more like darker colors or maybe if you're even really light skinned or something. And I feel like it's good that now we're doing this as a progressive generation and I think it started with you guys, right? I think so. Um, I found an article in the Los Angeles Times about, they called it the nude revolution. So the colors, this was quoting the article, the colors nude and flesh used to be synonymous with lighter skin shades. But as the world's population gets more diverse, those definitions continue to change, especially because this of the strong consumer demand for fashion and beauty products for darker skin colors. So I think that I don't know when exactly this started being talked about, but fairly recently. And I think that a lot of products have been doing a good job of making their products more inclusionary. So an example, recently I was looking for a mineral sunscreen. So a clean sunscreen that I could put on my face every day. And I wanted it to be, I had like a criteria. So I'm like, it needs to be clean. It needs to be mineral sunscreen. I don't want it to be sticky on my face. And I don't want it to leave a white cast. So often sunscreen leaves that white, like little faintness of white on your skin, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was reading reviews about that. And I didn't think of it in this way, but people were saying that their darker skin, it left the white cast a lot. And so some of the the product that I ended up getting, um, people were saying that it didn't leave any white cast at all. It was just like clear on their face. So I'm like, well, that's really like, that's what I wanted. But also I think it was good for me to see it in the mindset of people who have darker skin. It would be good for them as well. It, It works for their skin as well. Yeah. I think it's super cool to, um, relate to other people especially different skin tones because obviously for us specifically we don't have to encounter that and don't have to worry as much about the sunscreen we use or something like that because you know our skin is white so it won't really leave that white tint or whatever you want to call it well it does it's just maybe not as noticeable in our skin yeah exactly So, like, we don't think about it as much, I feel like, as people with maybe darker skin tones. Right. So, I think it's good that brands are starting to think of that as well and know that we are a diverse country. And, obviously, people buy products all over the world, so it's not even just America. And to think about all humans and not just a specific standard. Exactly. And we also wanted to touch on kind of, like what you guys um would do also with makeup but for brows specifically because if you guys know brows nowadays are either like pretty natural or maybe like thicker eyebrows but when Robin was growing up and even like I guess high school and stuff it was like thin brows were very in And, like, I guess even if you were coloring them in, like, you still kept them very thin? So that was a thing for a long time, like, even into college, that um, people, like, plucked their eyebrows really thin. 
I don't know why it was a trend, but it was a trend. And you can see that in like the early 2000s with a lot of celebrities, like almost any celebrity you look up early 2000s, they're going to have the tiniest little brows. (laughs) And um, we were talking about how makeup has evolved so much and how when I was, so you know, you see those memes where it's like, me at 12 years old it's like a ridiculously goofy picture where you have like blue eyeshadow and lip gloss and then it's like 12 year olds now and they're like models <laughs> and I was asking Melody why she thinks that that is the case Melly, you want to say what you said yeah I'm trying to think back to like specifically what I said um but what I was trying to mention was that since we have social media as, like, our platform now, um, I feel like people that were little kids grew up with it. So they, like, maybe saw videos or they see, like, the influencers or just people they follow who have, like, the makeup trends or, like, you know, their everyday look. And I feel like maybe that's why we are more evolved in that way. Because, like, honestly, they really do look like models, though. Like, of course, I grew up with it as well. But I feel like now it's even more prevalent to the younger generation. Definitely. I think social media and the Internet as a whole has played a huge role in that. Because when I was in middle school and maybe even high school, um, I really only used YouTube for, like, funny videos. I don't remember seeing makeup videos, hair videos, skincare videos, stuff like that. It probably started when I was in high school, but it wasn't something that I really used much at that time. But I think that has played a huge role because the access that kids have now to tutorials, really, on all kinds of information is literally at their fingertips. And when I was younger... The way I would get information, we've talked about this before, is magazines. So a lot of those like DIY facials and stuff were in magazines. But the thing is, of course, there are older magazines, but my mom wouldn't allow me to get like Cosmo when I was in middle school, obviously. (laughs) It's just not age appropriate. So um, I would get like Cosmo Girl or like Teen Vogue or whatever, like you get the younger version. So that was what I had access to, which was a younger version of skincare and makeup and hair and things like that. And now kids just have access to all of it so they can see older influencers and how they do their makeup and their hair and get more of an older look, a mature look, maybe. I don't know if older is the right word, Mm -hmm. but um, just so much easier. They just have access to it. And I think that's probably why a lot of them look more put together, let's say, (laughs) than a lot of us did when we were in middle school. Yeah. And um, also, like, I feel like you were saying – It's on all platforms now, and a lot of people are, like, getting sponsored or anything like that, and they show off products, like, specifically that younger generations are more drawn to, like, because, like, maybe they're doing a tutorial, and then they're like, I'm using this product for my lashes, and, like, if you like their lashes, you're gonna get that product, or, like, maybe... 
if you're younger, you'll ask your mom to buy that product for you. Yes, exactly. And so I feel like it's definitely true now because they do advertise more about that type of thing. And um, I don't know, it's just definitely more popular. Yeah, I mean, the access is there. They have access to it at, at their fingertips. So, I mean, I just, yeah, it's really interesting to think about and think about, like, the reasons why things evolve and how they evolve. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about self-care in the eyes of food and fitness. So, well, the first thing that comes to many minds when it comes to self-care is skincare and facials and bubble baths. There's a lot more to it. It really is a holistic term. So another way to take care of yourself is by thinking about the foods that you put into your body. And I wanted to start by talking about freezer meals, which was a staple in the 90s, and kind of talk about the history of that. So... Freezer meals became popular during World War II because many women were working outside the home for the very first time, so they didn't have as much time to prepare elaborate home-cooked meals. And I thought that was interesting to add because it really ties into the evolution of generations and feminism in general, and um, but also ties into food. But that trend that started back in World War II has really continued, at least continued when I was a kid. We had a lot of freezer meals at that time. I know freezer meals have evolved since then. But Mel, what are your thoughts regarding, I guess, the history of a freezer meal? Have you ever thought about that? I've never had to really think about it, um, but I feel like it's good that women back then basically made up these um, freezer meals for, like, their family and stuff because it definitely was a step in the right direction because, like you said, they weren't at home all the time once they got jobs, and it definitely started evolving, so now... You know, we have, like, things that you can get quickly. And, of course, it's not always the healthiest. But, you know, it started going into a healthier direction, especially now. Well, I think it's interesting to point out that the reason for the help or for the freezer meals was it was quick and it was easy, right? It was convenient. Yeah. And so that is why, or that is how a lot of people saw food up until fairly recently. I would say the 90s were not really focused on eating healthy. We learned about fruits and vegetables and stuff in the food pyramid in school. But um, overall, a lot of packaged things were popular, a lot of, you know, desserts. There weren't a lot of healthy alternatives. I of course, was pretty young in the 90s, but I don't remember hearing much about vegan or keto or gluten-free or things like that. Um, but the rise, in our opinion, the reason that we have had such a push towards healthy foods and healthy alternatives is the rise in childhood obesity that we saw in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I feel like that definitely caused a shift just in the world in general um, to start eating healthier, and it honestly went into the food businesses as well, like um, fast food and stuff like that, because now we have the salads that you can get, 
instead of just like the fries or you can get a fruit cup on the side or like apple sometimes and I feel like um they try to also do that in like the kids meals and everything um because no one like ever thought of having fruit as a side especially if you're yeah especially if you're going out or like you're on the road or something you're just like oh I'll have like a burger and fries or I'll have like chicken nuggets with like whatever so I feel like now people are trying to shift their perspective or like in general they're just wanting to be more healthy yeah I think a lot of information has come out that maybe wasn't as looked into or as talked about or as advertised as far as you know the the issues with eating unhealthy and the problems with childhood obesity what that can lead to what that can lead into when the child becomes an adult and obviously all the health risks and things like that and just started being really talked about we saw a lot of documentaries came out and we would, you know, hear about the alternatives at McDonald's and stuff on commercials. So it just started becoming talked about a lot. And I feel like we are so exposed to health issues now. Like we, we know a lot of stuff that our parents at our age did not know, like macros and what what is keto and, um, you know, what is a like, what are the three things we should have in every meal? Carbs, protein, and fat. And that kind of stuff that I don't think was even really talked about as much. Of course, I don't know. But I, I don't think it was a focus. Well, when you were talking about the documentaries, um, in middle school for me, we had to watch, I think it's called Superfood or something like that. And Supersize me. Supersize me, yes. I knew it was something like that. Um but it basically, if you haven't seen it, it's a documentary about this guy eating McDonald's, like, I think it's every day or something like that. Yeah, for every meal every day. And I yeah. think he got supersized for, ev- like, the yeah, and so supersized every time. He was gaining weight, like, every day because he was eating out at McDonald's, like, specifically, which everyone knows is super bad unless, you know, you can get something healthier there now. But um, I feel like that definitely changes how you want to eat when you, like, watch something happen like that. Because, of course, you hear about it. But I feel like when you get an actual visual of, like, eating that badly and seeing how it can change your body, it definitely changes people to be healthier now. Well, it's interesting that you talked about it in regards to weight because I feel like there has been a shift very recently away from looking at food as good or bad for weight loss or weight gain and we're looking at it more towards is it healthy so specifically with Mm -hmm. supersize me we saw so many other aspects of his life affected he was throwing up he was fatigued yeah he was like so almost like i'm pretty sure he got like a blood test before and after and like his levels Mm -hmm. were so like his um what's it called cholesterol and things like that were were like so much higher but um I think that more so than weight we're looking at food in a way of is this good for me is it fueling me how does it make me feel and um and thinking about the things that are 
delicious, but maybe not so great for us, more in moderation. And also, that goes along with, like, having healthy food, um, at least in my perspective, can make you feel better, like, in general, just, like, your mood and overall way of life, kind of. Um, And I feel like also in that documentary, he definitely was more down and almost mad in a way um, when he was eating bad every day. And before that, I feel like, you know, he was just fine or like, you know, he just wasn't as fatigued before. Well, he, I'm pretty sure he was a vegan before that. Oh, so he, I mean, yeah, just, he really went from one extreme to the next as far as food. Yeah, that's like cold turkey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, I would say when I was in high school, maybe middle school, organic became a buzzword, and now we see organic everywhere, but it just started becoming like, oh, we need to get organic, and that I think was related also to the environment, how people are more focused on caring for the environment. But the other side of it is health and how that's a healthier option. And we we started seeing a rise in that and also alternatives like rice pasta or um, like vegetable pasta and veggie chips. I remember veggie chips became really yep. popular. and Or the veggie um, straws, same kind of thing. Yes, yes, exactly. And you know, sparkling water instead of a soda and just all kinds of alternatives have come about. And of course, those are more expensive. They're not accessible to everyone. But these are options that were not available before that now are. And it's, it's really, it it changed completely how we look at food. Yeah, I honestly wish that the healthy food could be cheaper. But I know at least I'm pretty sure that organic food or anything like that is just tends to be harder to find. And maybe that's why it's more expensive. I'm well, honestly not sure. I found an article by <laughs> How Stuff Works and it's a, shu- a super short article, just like one, two, three, four bullet points and a short opening and ending paragraph um, about why it's more expensive to buy organic. So Number one, the organic food supply is limited as compared to the demand. So more people want it than they can produce. That makes sense. Right. Number two, production costs for organic food are typically higher because of greater labor input and because farmers don't produce enough of a single product to lower the cost overall. Number three, post-harvest handling of relatively small quantities of organic foods results in higher cost because organic and conventional produce must be separated for processing and transporting. So it sounds like the process is just lengthier and a little more time consuming. Hmm. And the last one, marketing and the distribution chain for organic products are relatively inefficient and costs are higher because of relatively small volumes. So... It's harder to produce, you know, it takes more time and that's because it's, it's, you know, the, it's the difference between big, what do you call it? Big. Like corporation or something? Well, yeah, I'm trying to think of it in that way where like mass production versus like a small farm where yeah. they're producing it and it's very organic and it's very healthy and clean and the animals are treated 
separately versus like a big business who has a lot of resources they have, like, they do it just quick and they don't put as much time and energy into how they do it yeah they have like a factory which obviously would be so much quicker and I feel like they also do that for organic food but like you said it's mainly on farms and everything now well, I think it can be tied into the idea of fast fashion versus slow fashion. So fast would be, let's just get it out and it's going to be cheap and not as good quality and we're not putting as much effort into it. We're probably not paying our employees as much as we should, um, but we're just trying to get the product out there. And then slow fashion would be, we're really taking or tying in slow fashion with like slow production of food. So we're taking our time, we're doing it in a sustainable way, we're paying people the appropriate amount, we're taking care of the animals, and we're giving you a product that's better for you. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's just quality over quantity for a lot of things that we have. And people are going towards more good quality food, because they know it is better. And yeah, the animals are being treated better in general. So it's just, you know, a good change. And a lot of articles have talked about the overall cost for buying cheap, fast-produced foods versus, you know, eating healthier, making healthier options and organic. And the cost, you pay a small cost in the beginning for the cheap stuff and a large cost in the beginning for the organic stuff. But in the long run, you're paying more if you get the cheap stuff your entire life for hospital bills and medications and things like that, because you're, you're going to be sicker than someone who puts more thought into eating healthy. Yeah. And that goes into like, we have like diets and things like that are trendy nowadays that people, um, I don't know if you'd say it's on platforms and everything, But there might be, like, ads and stuff that go towards, like, the healthier foods with the diet. Because I've actually seen um, YouTubers that I watch, and they did a tomato diet. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. Um, But basically, they were only having, I think it was just, like, water and tomatoes, either for, like, all meals or maybe just one meal. And supposedly it, like, helps you lose some weight. And also tomatoes, I guess, have a lot of benefits to them. So they're, like, very nutritious. This is really problematic (laughs) (laughs) because it is encouraging eating disorder culture and glamorizing it to be a trend, and it's awful. There's no way that only eating tomatoes or even eating mostly tomatoes and just a little bit of whatever else is going to give you all the nutrients you need. Yeah, I I know that. But the people weren't doing it just like, well, they were doing it just to do it. But they went to a nutritionist that told them like a whole plan. So I think they only did that diet for maybe like two weeks. And then they like started something else where it's like more protein based but I think they were just like trying different things out to see what worked for them because I know yeah it's not healthy to just have you know one thing because then you're like worried that you know you need to be really skinny and 
you know, body image is, like, a really big thing that it doesn't matter what shape you are or size. Like, you are beautiful the way you are. But this was just kind of, you know, taking something from a nutritionist, seeing if it works, seeing their progress when they come back. And I think it was fine, but they, like, jump between different things. Right. Well, I think we've seen generational shifts when it comes to trends, diet trends and things like that, because before we would have like the Atkins and the, oh, I can't even think of what the other one's called. Um, Oh, lean, not lean cuisine, but there was another one. And one lady mom liked always advertised for it. I can't even think of it. But anyway, Mm -hmm. um, the, the trends were, basically like fake foods you know people sometimes call it like space food yeah (laughs) because you would buy all of this food and you would eat it but that's all you could eat and um it was kind of like very much factory made food and low calorie and things like that but now we see more of okay a keto diet the whole 30 diet um dairy free vegan things like that where we're using more whole foods and organic products maybe not even organic but we're using real foods versus these like prepackaged foods which was so popular just even 10 years ago so it's interesting to see the trends change over the generations and we can see the trends changing with diets yeah so I'm curious have you ever tried a like dairy-free or keto diet before yes I tried so keto never made sense to me, so I never tried it. I always thought it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I did try Whole30, and I lasted about three days, and it is so hard. You really have to be mentally prepared. I think that's what it comes down to for something like that because you're eating real foods. There's nothing fake about it, but you're cutting out all dairy and all gluten and, and sugar, And I think even coffee, but maybe I made that up. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's a lot of a lot of what people eat every single day. So I did not last long with it. And I don't think I've really tried many things. I've tried actually like dairy free at one point and gluten free at one point separately. But doing it together is tough. And even separately, it's tough. So so when you in my opinion, it's not sustainable, but I'm sure for some people it could be. When you went on these diets, what did you have to eat specifically? Because, like, for myself, I feel like I don't really look at the ingredients all the time because, like, I don't know. I, like, either know what I'm going to have and I'm, like, it's pretty healthy and I don't have to look at what's in it. But did you have to do that because it was, like, it can't have gluten in it or anything like that? Yep, I had to look at every label, and I remember, too, it takes a lot of planning because you think when you're at the grocery store, like, before you even get there, you have to look up Pinterest meals and things like that because you can't just get a lot of regular stuff that you would get. So what did you have, like, let's just say you had something for lunch. What would you have if it didn't have gluten in it or whatever? Like a salad with chicken or some kind of meat without bread on it and a dairy-free, like maybe just olive oil or some kind of um, dressing. And I mean, I would have like fruit or vegetables and I would get like vegetable snacks, like not veggie chips, but like 
Trader Joe's has a lot of like broccoli chips, like dehydrated mm-hmm. broccoli or what you know, those kinds of things that actually are really good. Um, and I don't, I'm trying to think of what I would try to make a lot of like gluten free, dairy free alternatives because I wanted it to be something that I liked. So I remember trying a mac and cheese so I would get gluten-free pasta and use dairy-free cheese so I w- that's what I tried to do but I know actually that they tell you not to do that with Whole30 and to try like options that are naturally gluten-free or dairy-free because um, the alternatives are never as good as the actual thing like when you're doing mac and cheese it does not taste like mac and cheese you know <laughs> um, but that was kind of my approach with it but like I said I didn't do it for very long and I don't think it's sustainable for most people but what about fitness and how fitness ties into, I guess, trends that we see with eating? Um, I feel like um, what I've seen, because um, I do like to work out kind of often or at least do some physical activity. And I've seen that a lot of trainers or just like a workout video, the person is always saying that, you need to make sure that if you're, like, eating this amount of food, you should, you know, work out this amount of time. And, like, you need to balance it out and not just have it be, like, you're just eating healthy food or you're just doing workouts but not eating healthy. And so you have to have the balance between the two so you're actually having a healthy life. Um, And also I've seen a thing where... Um, Like, after you work out, a lot of people um, don't like to stretch, or you can just say, like, a cool down, or even stretch beforehand, like, before a workout, and I've heard that you always should, because your muscles, like, you know, used all that work, and they're, like, you know, you kind of stress them out, and they tense up, and you need to stretch out, so then you, like, release the tension, and it also, like, lets you gain muscle, which helps with your fitness in general. Yeah. And I think as times change, or um, fitness and workout trends change. So we see a lot of soul cycle. I know, is really popular. I've never done it. Have you done it? No, but I've seen people do it, and they have, like, certain shoes that they wear. It's kind of funny, because, like, since you're on a bike, obviously you need, like, secure shoes. So they're, like, Velcro shoes, which I think is funny, because it reminds me of a little kid, but... Oh, that is funny. Yeah. Well, and then with the rise in trend for SoulCycle, now we have Peloton, which just came out... Was it 2018 or early... Or, I mean, 2019 or early 2020? Like January or like last November? I'm going to guess it was like 2019. Okay, the end of last year. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But um, because I think I saw a lot of people getting them for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, that that goes with the trends. And you don't even, first of all, you don't have to leave your house, which has been great for people um, during quarantine. And second of all, you have a virtual trainer. So you can have one person on a screen who is training hundreds of people who are on their peloton at the same time or you can watch a pre-recorded one you know it's just really cool just to see how things evolve with the times and i would love to try a peloton have you tried one 
No, I really want to, though, because, like, for myself, when I just, like, work out um, with, like, no video or whatever, like, I'm just doing my own thing, I feel like I don't work as hard as I could, and if I had the screen with, like, someone telling me, like, okay, you got this, or, like, you know, the motivational, like, little things they say, I feel like I would just go, like, harder, you know, with my workout. Right. Right. And I think with quarantine being a thing, so many more workouts are going to come out in this style. Mm-hmm. Of like, you can do this at home, but we're going to also have someone on here, a live person. So I think you can do live classes on the Peloton and also like recorded mm-hmm. classes. Yeah, I'm um, pretty but sure. make it feel more realistic and not like you're just watching someone on a screen, which is really cool. So we'll see how things evolve um, in the next couple of years post-quarantine how people are starting to look at things differently but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about mental health so along with physical health we have mental health and the two are very much connected i listened to a podcast a while back that talked about the brain gut connection and how before we're born our brain and our gut are one organ and eventually they break off to become two separate organs, but the two never stop being dependent on the other. And I thought that was so interesting when we think about mental health and how there are so many studies that talk about if your gut is imbalanced, it can lead to anxiety, depression, mood disorders, things like that. And just to think of mental health in a more holistic way versus we're just going to treat you with a pill, which is how it was approached for a long time. So I was a psychology major in college, and I am pretty passionate about this. So we're not going to get too much into it, but I just (laughs) wanted to say it's really cool to see more of a holistic approach when it comes to mental health, but how the brain and the gut really are so tied and we can see that like when melody was talking about the supersize me documentary and how he was fatigued and he was in a bad mood and he was angry and things like that because likely his gut was out of balance and it was affecting his mood and it's just so interesting to me and i love that this is more of a mainstream topic yeah i think people are really focusing about having a good um mental balance with like everything else just in general like you know we even have like things that make us less stressed or yeah like not fatigued like you were saying um and I feel like it definitely helps that we're doing this because people are like I don't know maybe you're doing yoga or like meditating or something and it just makes you feel so much like more at peace and calm with just your mental health and physical health in general and it just all ties in so you just feel you know calm and it's way more talked about now than it ever has been before just mental Mm -hmm. health in general and I think people are talking about going to therapy more openly and it used to be something that was more of a secret or you you didn't want to talk about it and Mm -hmm. about you know, people coming forward about their anxiety disorder or their depression or whatever, and it's way more accepted to be open about those things. I 
did find that one of the reasons that it is more talked about is because it's becoming more prevalent. So there are more mental health concerns now than there have been in the past. And I think that there are probably a lot of factors that have to do with that. But uh, with more awareness comes more resources. So we have Therapy Talk, which is a online therapy app where you can talk to a therapist from wherever and you can find someone that works for you and not have to go physically into the therapy office, which is really awesome. And apps like Headspace that focus on meditation and podcasts that focus on meditation. There's a um, podcast that I love called Meditation Minis, and she does short meditations. I've been doing those almost every single day for over a month and it has been so so good for me to just take time to recharge and I think just these things are more talked about and it's good because now we're we're more aware um of the detriments to not focusing on your mental health but we're also more aware of steps we can take to work on it and better improve how we're feeling yeah I feel like people are definitely more more focused on um that aspect of you know, like working on ourselves and taking that time for ourselves. Because like you were talking about Headspace, um, you literally can just take any time on your day, like just like five minutes or less. And you can literally, I'm pretty sure it like counts down. I'm not sure. I like used to have it. Um, But you like can just breathe in and out and like really take the time to just you know be like inner peace and like not worry about anything else and I think that's really really good to do sometimes especially like nowadays there's just like so much going on yes exactly and the minute that quarantine happened we saw a ton of memes and social media posts and things like that talking about hey take care of yourself don't worry about being productive right now focus on what you need listen to your body and all of these things that are just so healthy like so healthy to hear and to see and to be bombarded with and I think that is a really good shift that we've had in recent years yeah and um, and, just um, one little quote I wanted to say is you can't give from an empty cup And what that means is if you don't focus on what you need and your own self-care, your mental health, your physical health, you cannot give to others. And ultimately, when you're working on yourself and improving yourself, you then can better work with others and help others. So we're going to end the episode there. We hope you enjoyed. And as always, follow the Instagram, which is millennial.z.podcast, where we post upcoming episodes and We'll see you in the next one.